the bags and moved down to Florida. And I've been blue since she went and gone. And this Bowling Green Motel room is now my old Kentucky home. And we're back. Another episode of the Pinstripes to Camo podcast coming to you from William Carey University. I'm your host, Ben Smith, and we've got Hunter McCool and Matt Langford here tonight. So we've got the whole group. The band is back together. Finally. So uh, let's start off idiot of the week, and then we'll get into some turkeys and some deep sea fishing or offshore fishing. So idiot of the week. We're going back to uh, kind of what we had earlier in the year. Wisconsin man receives multiple citations and more than $1,100 in fines after illegally shooting a monster buck during an antlerless-only season. So, Burnett County Hunter, I won't say his name on here, but according to the game wardens, he shot, get this, a 20-point buck. He was obviously very familiar with it, had trail camera pictures. Now, the one thing that makes this guy different than the last few idiots of the week was that he didn't put it on social media, but instead he sent pictures of the dead deer to several of his friends, who obviously turn out are not really his friends. Oh. So I'm not mad at this guy. His friends are the idiots. (laughs) That's bad. It's like, who can you trust these days? But yeah, so he sent the pictures to some friends, and apparently they passed it along to some others, and... They reported the kill as being illegal because it was a, like a doe-only season. So, in Wisconsin has two antlerless-only seasons in December. Uh, a statewide doe hunt from December 9th to the 12th, and a holiday hunt, which is does only from December 24th to January the 1st. So, they're um, small seasons. For the doe-only. Yeah. And this guy shot the buck during one of those. Let's see. Yeah, one of those seasons. Which, I mean... Yo. We've had this We've conversation. Had this conversation. Like, a doe-only season with a firearm is a bad combination. He shot it with a crossbow. Okay. But still, yeah, 20-point buck. How many? Oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> we know I'm here you to tell you. It. I'm doing it. I mean, but uh, he also shot it while hunting over corn, and baiting's not allowed. Yeah, he, he went for like the... The triple crown. I mean, he's made it as legal as he possibly could. So, can you guess why baiting's not allowed in this particular county? Dude, like, okay, Wisconsin has different. Like, it's not a statewide anti-baiting law. It varies from county CBD? to county. Yes. Yeah, it's it's most. It was mostly a west. Sorry, midwestern, northern Midwest thing. Originally, right. I think. So the Recently, uh, I should say the Department of Wildlife confiscated the deer. You know, the cape and the antlers. And then gave him, you know... I love what they do with those. Just stick them in museums. Got to be right. You would think. I mean, it's not like... All right, so like... You see these cars... Or police cars driving around. This police vehicle was bought with drug money. That's funny. So I wonder what they do with the deer. I don't know. <laughs> the steer antler was confiscated. <laughs> they put it like in, a, in the Wisconsin... Yeah. This green outdoor. truck was bought by selling illegal antlers to Bass Pro Shops. Right. I wonder... No, really, I wonder like... All right, that fine money. What does that go to? You think? Like, what is? I'm in sure there's a general fund. All right, so I've got a friend. I'm not gonna say his name because I don't think he really wants the story out there that it was him. But I've got a friend that hunts in Louisiana, 
All right, they have that check-in system in Louisiana on a deer because mm-hmm. they just went to the tagging deal. Okay. So he killed a buck on his land, private land, and tried to check it in. Didn't have enough service or something. It wouldn't go through. Either way, whatever happened, it didn't go in on the check-in. He sent pictures of the deer to his wife, who then, I think, posted it on social media. And he got a fine. Now, when he got home, he checked the deer in. But that was like six hours later or something. He got a fine. <clears throat> like two grand. Yeah, there's some there's some judgment calls that people have to make, I think, in my opinion. And sometimes people don't make the right judgment calls. Like, are you really getting the outlaw by getting the guy who didn't yeah, have you, You're getting a guy that did everything legal, mm-hmm. tried to check it in the legal way, had some technological problems, and then you hammer him for $2,000 worth of fines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the it's the same thing as the WMA check in that you don't ever have service to get done. I know it came out you don't. Yeah, I don't and at least. the same thing as the snapper check in. Yeah, you have to know. check in prior and when you get done snapper fishing now and Wait, you have to check in before you go snapper fishing? You have to check in before and yeah, and when you get done. How do you like how does that even work? You go to this website and you fill out the, your information, talk about what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, you tell them how many snapper you harvested and how many you caught. And that number is always 1,000. Um, but, yeah, you have to do that. And I didn't know that last year. Okay. I didn't illegally harvest snapper from the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> Let me just say that. But, um, I mean, I saw something posted at a boat ramp one day. Yeah. Like, hey, make sure you check in. And I'm like, but it's hard enough to. Are snapper considered like a special federal regulation or is it a state regulation? Kind of like turkeys, you know, like turkeys, you know, we're going to talk about turkeys, but there's a difference in if you illegally killed a crow versus like a turkey. A turkey is like a federally protected bird. I would. I don't know that for a fact, but I would say I yes. just because well, snapper. There's, there's a lot of people that there's a lot of attention. A lot. So you, it's kind of like is the snapper is the red snapper the Gulf's turkey? Is that kind of what you're saying in that regard? It is a highly regulated fish. Like this season, I, I'll tell you this. This I and I'm, I'm very much a novice at it. The season is uh, fluid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Based off based the off the numbers. Yeah. Like right. you may think you got to. 30 day season you may have a 14 day season and like, the hey, numbers we're going snapper fishing in three weeks and then all of a sudden you go oh, never mind never we're mind. not going season's over and they're wildly disputed numbers as well they are wildly disputed because of what commercial catches versus residents and everything yeah and, yeah it's funny you speak of Louisiana we didn't even put this on like the agenda to go over but I read an article where Louisiana is exploring options they are not establishing a season but they are exploring their options for black bear control in Louisiana. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And when I say that, I'm, I'm sure if this went through, it would be, you know, 10 tags or something. Right. The first year or whatever. But they're, they're talking about, they're considering it for the future. I don't think Mississippi will be far behind. No. Uh, now, I still have not seen a bear in Mississippi. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen I one on, on I know the they're there, but I just haven't seen them. Um, we had, we, I mean, we had pictures on game cameras on our place of a bear. And the people down down the road from us had two bears on camera. Yeah. And they, I mean, so I mean, and they were two distinctly different bears than the one we had. So there's three bears in that area. If, you'd be really amazed at 
people would if they knew what all was in their state. I remember when I was in the Army and I was stationed at Fort Knox, mm-hmm. Kentucky. There's an elk season. Right. In Kentucky. I didn't know that till about a year ago. I didn't ago. know there was an elk in the state of Kentucky, <laughs> minus a zoo. You know, right. when I was up there, I was like, what? It was permit and draw and all that. Great whitetail hunting, but there was actually elk hunting. And I was like, you're well, kidding me. Yeah. Now, I had a guy send me a picture of an elk that he said was killed in the state of Alabama this year. I cannot find uh, it anywhere We now. talked about that on here. Right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm Googling away. I, think we, we, I, I Googled for two weeks and couldn't find it. But I don't know what happened. I think was it was a, a, a small a, town I think in it was Utah a high called fence. Alabama. <laughs> there is a Utah, Man. Alabama. It's spelled E-U-T-A-W. But, yeah. I don't know. But no, the snapper thing blows my mind. No, there's approximately 400 elk. In Alabama? In Alabama. That's what I'm reading. Whatever. <laughs> but there's not an elk season. Well, if you only have 400 animals, you're not. Right. So what happens if you shoot an elk in Alabama, I wonder? I'm sure it's not good. That's what <laughs> it I want. can't be. be. Like killing a bear in Mississippi? Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Either way. Well... Idiot of the Week brought to you by a guy in Wisconsin that shot a 20-point buck in a doe-only season. So Can't blame him. Can't blame him. But Not mad at him. But you're mad at his friends. Mad at his friends, yeah. Wow. They should have done that. They should be in prison. <laughs> they should somebody help him. Somebody likes a snitch. <laughs> yeah, somebody likes a snitch. <laughs> well, moving on. We said we are going to talk about turkeys. Yeah. The first part tonight. Last week, we had Preston Pittman on the show. I know Hunter wasn't able to make it, um, but Matt and I got to talk to Preston. Uh, yeah, one, I learned a lot from him. What an interesting character, number one. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. A lot of fun. Uh, really appreciated having him on the show. Oh, before we go any further, I want to give a, a shout-out to Chad Heflin out of Marshfield Outdoors in Virginia. We had him on the show a while back. Uh-huh. Chad went on. Chad and his wife went on a Axis deer hunt in texas i saw that and killed a nice a nice axis deer so congrats to chad and uh maybe we can get him on and he can tell us we can get him on soon and he can tell us all about it because i'm kind of interested to hear about stuff like that because i mean texas just has so many cool things to to hunt and that ought to be a neat story but moving on to turkeys one of the things the other day that preston talked about that really caught my attention and i'm not a, i'm, I'm just, just go ahead and say it. i'm not a turkey hunter i'd like to be <clears throat> but was painting a picture for the bird that's he mentioned that more than once mm-hmm. i had never thought about it kind of in that regard is what does that bird want to see what does that bird want to hear not what you want what does the bird want and he talked about and and you guys, I don't I don't think you have Matt, but Hunter, you may have. You have got more experienced turkey hunting than than the rest of us. Um, he talked about making sounds like birds, like he would whistle like what do you say a red bird or yeah he did he mentioned that or barking like a squirrel because you think about it and I, and I never thought about it like this like you know when you go in the woods and it gets really really quiet that's probably not a good thing mm-hmm. because right. all the other animals know you're there. So if a deer or a turkey were to walk into an area that was really, really quiet, that probably puts them on pretty high alert, I would think. 
so Preston would talk about making noises like a squirrel or like a red bird or you know things like that do you do any of that no and I go back and forth on like turkeys in terms of like is this super especially down here this super focused you gotta be careful with your trigger finger moving bird who's just hollered or completely not and you can do whatever and he's just so focused because he's got a brain the size of an acorn you know um no but I know that being quieter is something that over the years I've started doing like very rarely am I gonna uh like yelp at a gobbler anytime that he's within a reasonable distance sure I'll yelp to figure out where he's at the first couple times but whenever I realize that I have his attention and I think I do Mm -hmm. um you just shut up shut down and wait him out well that and just soft purrs and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that there's just yelping at a bird is more often in my experience just leads to him gobbling his head off and never moving okay so i had an experience a couple uh maybe in year before last maybe in last year i can't remember year before last or last year i was at the camp there was a bird gobbling on the roost i made my way down there to him i got his attention mm-hmm. you could tell because i'd yelp he'd gobble back and dude i sat there and yelped and yelped and yelped and i was like this bird's never getting any closer now I did have a, a small pond between us, mm-hmm. which probably wasn't good for me. But the whole time I was like, I did not know because I'm I'm such a novice at it. Yeah. Do I keep calling? Do I quit calling and be quiet? Where do I put this decoy? It's hard to that quit. Kind of it's hard to quit calling when he's answering you every time. That's what see. That's what I thought because yeah. I got fired up every time he gobbled. So I'm still a novice, definitely at the turkey hunting, but I'm starting to see where call less is a good rule of thumb mm-hmm. in just about any type of hunting because mm-hmm. I, I have more experience in waterfowl and w- like example once you have their attention and they see your decoys you don't need to keep calling yeah you know? I mean, you can but i think a lot of experienced duck hunters would tell you you keep blowing on that call when they're looking at those decoys and flying mm-hmm. over and stuff you're just asking to get busted yeah and then flare yeah. off and it's kind of the same way i think with turkeys uh now, did you use a decoy when you were out there that time? I did. You did? Okay. I was going to say that might have I had a hen decoy, but I don't know if where I had it set up, if he could even see it. or. Yeah, I tell you, and you're talking about the body of water. I mean, I know a guy last year killed one in uh, in Perry County. I want to say it's Tallahala, something mm-hmm. like that. He heard him gobble. He was on the other side, and he said, Dad, gummit. And then he heard. Yeah. He said he flew across that thing. You know, a yeah. short flight across. He was like, I never thought. I mean, it was he could. I mean, the bird could have walked around the pond. And I, was, yeah, I mean, but, but they it will was just, go across water. It was just what they really them. want at that moment. They will get across. And and you, we say these all these things, but like last year, a guy that I worked with had never turkey hunted in his life ever. He went to Walmart, bought a Primos box call, which I know sounded horrible. I know it did. <laughs> I know it sounds terrible. I mean, not saying pretty much to make good calls. Their hook hunter series mouth calls are my favorite, but I know that his ten dollar box call is probably terrible sounding. He walked out in the woods. Not to mention that he hasn't had any. He walked out in the woods, started yelping with that thing. Gobble ran up to him. He shot it. 
So, like, sometimes it can just happen like that, and there's no explanation. I need that to happen to me. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what he said last week. He said, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. Sometimes said, they are just. He said, don't think you're going to be proficient at it if you go buy it the day before the season. He said, but sometimes you get lucky. Make a make a turkey noise. They're they're actually kind of stupid birds. Sometimes they can just see really, really well. well yeah, I guess you. And I'm, I have to kind of equate everything to deer hunting because that's what i've done the most of in the woods but i mean i guess you you kind of liken it to a buck and rut mm-hmm. i mean sometimes you grunt they come sometimes they don't yeah i've seen uh in my limited experience the one i got last year uh there was not some big show being put on he kind of just came running through the woods i couldn't see him but i know he had been running through there i'd heard some hens come off the roost mm-hmm. and uh right before he stepped out he finally gobbled i wasn't making any noise because yeah. the hens around me were making noise so you, you, you i never never called that bird up you just had them roosted you knew where they were i at? knew where some birds were roosted i didn't know there was a gobbler with them i just knew where some birds were roosted it's a new piece of property i was being allowed to hunt i set up and right at daylight the hens came off they weren't right in front of me but they were close and they wouldn't shut up not yelping but just making that's what that's what I was gonna say. You know, he's making little bitty noises. You know, and then all of a sudden, he hammers right there beside me. You know, after 15, 20 minutes of them making all that noise, and I was like, I didn't even call him. Yeah, he yeah. came into his natural hen sounds coming in. Did he strut? Yeah, when I when I actually saw him, heard him gobble. Decoys in front of me. I know he's over here, and I can't see him. And then kind of look, you know, around at some hens, and then I look, and he's in full strut walking out there. He wow. was in full strut. He was in strut when I shot him. It's like duck hunting whenever you uh, versus just these loud, aggressive calls versus just doing feeding calls like on the water mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Same exact thing. Like, I very rarely do I hear a hen yelping in the woods. I mean, I do, but more often than not, it's just purrs and clucks. Yeah. That and means- that's the noise that they're making when they're putting around feeding. Yeah, I, come to think of it, I think I've probably only heard a hen yelp three or four times, <laughs> and that's during deer season. Mm-hmm. So I've heard yeah. a hen kiki run before. I've only heard it one time in my entire life. You know, he mentioned rustling some leaves and stuff. Yeah, obviously, if you're not in sight, uh, and I equate that back on the waterfowl side to kicking water. Mm-hmm. We'll kick water to make yeah. the water and a jerk string. The decoys that start doing this, and they look real. Yeah, they look like they're real birds swimming around. So if you get well, some, keep that water moving. It goes back to like what he says. You're painting that picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I mean he, he he talked about painting a picture. I thought that was one thing that I really keyed on. And the other thing that really just stood out to me was food, and also pa- like pattern. You know, all right. Think about this. He, I asked him about like where like as far as hunting where do you hunt like do you hunt ridge lines do you hunt bobs do you hunt whatever and he's like all right think about this he said if a deer makes a scrape usually the next year there's a scrape on that same area right i know places on some family land we have up in the hills of holmes county that since i was 12 years old there's a scrape there every fall it doesn't I, matter on our place yeah, i can go I, I can tell you in late november I can take you to a scrape. I know exactly where there'll be a scrape every single year. Yep. And it's different deer doing it. And he said turkeys are the same way, kind of. They're going to, you know, because they learn from other turkeys. Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of like where you've seen birds in the past, you're going to see birds, you know, in, in the future. So who's going next Tuesday? I am. I'm going to try to get out next Tuesday morning. Uh, I got to look at my schedule now. That you just said that. I won't be going till the weekend. The after. weekend. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try to go Tuesday morning and see. I've had some, but not many gobblers around. I've. Uh, have you been out any? And yeah, heard I, in, have I've you been heard out anything? a couple of times. There, I've heard no gobbles, and I've had a group of three running together that I've, I know, are on the property. Right, but they're not seen every day or anything. I went and listened uh, last week before that cold snap. Yeah, I went and listened one morning, and I got out of the truck at like six fifteen, and I hooted, and he was just God, just hammering over and over and over and it was a bird that i didn't even know was on that piece of property really? so he's uh so that's on number one on the hit list it. he's gonna get it all right so i just looked at my schedule i do not have anything it's next tuesday what day is that 15th yep i don't have anything we need to go turkey hunting i don't even know where to start <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go if you have no idea if there's any birds there yes you'll yeah, you need. There's one thing about turkey hunting. It, you yeah. know, if you're if you don't know if there's any birds there, or you're, you've you've gone out there and scouted, and you're you don't think there's any birds there, you're wait, you're probably wasting your time. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you got to find some birds. You know, it doesn't have to be gobblers. You know, you find a yeah. group of hens that are hanging around. That's a good starting point. <laughs> did Preston? Because I didn't listen to it, but had a chance. But did Preston talk about uh, hung up birds? And uh, the walking away, he did not. No. So, say you got your decoys out, you're calling, turkeys gobbling, sixty, hundred yards, whatever, mm-hmm. and he just will not come. Will not. He's been hung up for an hour, or whatever. If you can quietly do it, get up, walk fifty yards away, call like, again, like and fifty then, yards back behind, away you. from Make him. him think that hen's leaving. Making him the hen's leaving, and then okay. walk back to your spread and do not make another sound. Really? Yeah. I've never thought about that. That makes sense though, because yeah. I mean that's going to pull him in. Because he's like, no, you're going to come over here, and then you're like, okay, I'm out. I'm leaving. Have it your way. So okay, so you're saying go fifty yards behind you, call again. Yeah. Shut up. Go back to your spot where you were set up. Do not make another sound. And then just wait. Might sit there for another hour or so, but right. And he, I mean, it's not guaranteed at all, but yeah, huh. that would be much better than sitting there yelping until you get blue in the face. <laughs> okay, so say between now, and I don't know when I'll do it, but say between now and Tuesday, I find a group of birds. Mm-hmm. I go in the woods or get you know I find kind of the general area that they're roosting in and I get in early what's my first move do you morning. so you have these birds roosted yeah if you have them roosted I think your first move and this is novice Matt talking is to not do anything and wait till they come off that roost and see what they do that's okay. my opinion what do you think well like, if if I have them roosted I'm going to be figuring out where they're going to fly to. Yeah, like where's, off the, of. where's the most likely spot? Because last year, the uh, that bird that I shot at the end of the season was a he was alone again. He yeah. didn't breed all the hens, 
and he roosted probably 30, 40 yards away from a food plot. I mean, that's just the most likely spot. He's probably not going to fly into the food plot, but right. he's, he knows that that's right there. And I, we were in there before daylight, had a breeding hen and a jake set up. Always, in my opinion, always have a jake. If you don't have anything else, always have a jake. You're talking about as a decoy? As a decoy, yeah. Really? And uh, purred softly. Yeah. He could hear it. He gobbled before. He gobbled to Tweety Bird's. And then just flew down, walked up, shot him, and the sun really wasn't even <laughs> all the way up. He was dying there dead. <laughs> okay, so in the past when I've gone, I felt like the later it got in the morning, the less opportunity I had. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate in, in any – I mean, not really. They're feeding all day, walking around all day. It's just they do seem to be less vocal – well, that's the later on. Like I, yeah, I had more trouble locating birds as the sun got higher. Like we, we, I know one time I went with a friend. That's common. And we got on birds right at daylight because I mean he did the well he he did what he called the Hillman holler, and it's not an owl. We need to. Can you give us an example? Can we hear the Hillman holler. Can you, it was can you do it? <laughs> kind of like that. They'll gobble at a truck door. Well, that's, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I've, I've seen people slam. I've, I've seen your dad slam the truck yeah. door before. And the be bird just boom, blows up. Do I? In his old truck. Right, the old, the old, old, old red truck. The yeah. old red truck. <laughs> we went one time and we got out and he was like, watch this. And he slams his door so hard that the whole truck rocked back and forth. And as soon as he did, the bird fired off. And he was like, there he is. But, like, so he, he did his little holler thing. We located, I think, like two or three birds gobbled when he did. This guy's got a great place to turkey hunt. But so he's like, all right, this bird over here, he's like, we can set up on him pretty easy. So we go, bird flies down, doesn't come to us. So we moved on to the other bird. We got one more bird to gobble that morning. And after we didn't get that bird, it was like, I can't. We we don't know where they're at. We couldn't get another bird to gobble. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty? That's pretty normal. Yeah, and one thing too is, and nobody will ever do this because I won't even do it. But if you are talking to a gobbler, say at six thirty, seven o'clock, and you're trying to get him to come to you, and he will not come. You've done everything. If you can sit there long enough he will probably make his way back over there at some point during that day to check out what was going on because he's going to go tend to his hens and then he's going to be like you know what i got some time i'm gonna go i'm to see what was going on no i've here. heard people doing yeah. that just wait them out i mean if you want to sit there till noon or whatever yeah. but i mean i've never killed a turkey that late in the day because normally i'm leaving <laughs> right. i'm not going to sit there if it's not going to happen what about um evening turkey hunting like I've, I've never I've never gone in the evening I haven't either well I've been but never been successful at it we've just that, that been trying to roost not, them yeah yeah, yeah no I mean I've heard people going to alright just so you can go sit in the woods basically and listen to where they fly up at so you can go the next morning but I don't know if I've ever heard of anybody going and actually successfully killing a gobbler in the evening one thing that that has done is we have taken turkey wings into the woods and mimicked 
hands flying down whenever a gobbler's been nearby. Really? Yeah. We yelp a little bit and then take their wings and just yeah. flap them like that. A bunch of hands just flew down over here and like, oh, like try to coax him out of the tree. Yeah. Well, that all makes sense. I've, I've just never... You know, I've never... Do you have any calls? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a couple. I've got a box, and then I've got a diaphragm call. Uh, I can go ahead and make a plug for... That's all I carry is a box and a diaphragm. I can go ahead and make a plug for Pittman Game Calls. I've got a Pittman Game Call. I, I don't remember which model it is, but as far as how good I am I with it, um not great <laughs> same same like i don't know i hear it and i think oh yeah it sounds good and then like i'm around somebody that's a turkey hunter and I go, hey listen to this and he goes oh my gosh please stop yeah my ears are bleeding so i don't know like i i don't i have not heard enough turkeys in the wild to decide whether i am good at calling or not if that makes sense like all right i've heard plenty of bucks grunt I know what that sounds <laughs> you like. You know you can repeat that. Yeah. I, I, I know when I do that right or when I do that, and I go, oh, that didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. I don't know the difference in turkey. So, yeah, that's fair. I'm sure well, it's got to be the same with duck hunting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a very good caller, but I, I can call. But there's You get around guys that have been doing it a long time, you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah. Right. Especially the uh, the feeding call or whatever. I don't. I can't make my tongue or whatever uvula do that. I hate. So one of the other things Preston talked about, we were talking about food sources, and what was um he was big on clover. He was very big on clover. You talking about the one that I mentioned, right? He was uh. I so I'd never planted a hunter. I've, I've asked him though about chufa, mm-hmm. and he said, "Yeah, I've hunted it." He said, "It's not my cup of tea because it's legal bait." He basically made it sound like it's a food plot for turkeys. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, it's legal and it can get you more near more gobblers. 100%. Big, yeah, 100%. Uh, he, he mentioned that the soil has got to be very clean when you plant it because they dig it up. It's like these, what do they call them, tubers or whatever, mm-hmm. underground. But he said they will tear it up. Yeah, he said it would be and like, heard like hogs are rooted out of holes mm-hmm. is what it looked like. We've uh, planted hog room for that reason. And it's like, we just go sit in the woods, put a decoy out, and not say a word. And Wait for birds show up. And it's worked. Yeah. Yeah. You've never planted chufa? Mm. What about clover? You ever done clover? Mm-hmm. Never done that either. See, we always had clover that would, you know, be mixed in or, or with our mm-hmm. mix for deer. And then the, by spring, you've got a. The place I'm at has a pretty good clover. Yeah. Stand, and that's where I'm getting some pictures. That's what we had last year. We had a beautiful stand of clover, and that's where I went to hunt. And I, it just didn't happen for me. Yeah, that's when I walked the sole off my boot, two miles from the camp. <laughs> had to walk back, limp back to the house. Uh, oh. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm ready to go. So the Mississippi turkey season opens. That's 15th, next. I believe yeah, it opens March fifteenth. So that's that's a little over a week away. Mm-hmm. Now, and, uh, oh, I'll tell you this. He, he talked about this. Talking about the best times to kill them. Was like right now. Mm-hmm. First week or two. And then the last one. Correct. 100%. So, Sim- similar to deer. 
Well, I think for best time to kill a mature buck, catch him off guard is first week of bow season, and then after that you got to wait to the rut. My, yeah. Just my opinion. I mean, yeah. there's big deer that fall late October, early November, but but especially not as many. When you, especially when you start talking about archery hunting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got that lull, kind of that betweener stage. Yeah, like opening morning. I didn't go this year. Did I go this year? No, I went last year opening morning. But opening morning of bow season to me is the chance. Yeah. Because of you. nobody's been in there. Right. As long as you know, yeah, that you got deer there. No, I agree. I agree. Speaking of that, archery, no deer, deer season with archery. Yeah, I couldn't find uh, there's the status of the bill, but there's yeah. a Senate bill. I think it's twenty five oh six. Mississippi's proposed. Somebody has proposed to the Mississippi legislature. It is the last three day or the yeah the last three day weekend on Friday, Saturday, Sunday between September tenth and September twentieth. It's proposed to be a archery velvet buck season give mississippi hunters a chance to kill a buck in velvet a lot of states have a velvet season that they open up for yeah. doesn't change your bag seasons as the way it's uh, your bag limits as the way it's proposed it'd be part of your three buck limit uh and i and the way i read it there are no antlerless deer that can be taken so you still can't you can't shoot a doe just that uh I think I said this before. My wife told me. She said uh, I was complaining, saying, "You know how hot that's going to be. How many mosquitoes are going to be?" Yeah. But, but she pointed uh, out quickly. She said, "You're going to do it." I'll be out there I all three like, days. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "You know what? You're totally right. I'm going to gripe about it oh. because it's going to be 95 degrees with mosquitoes." And I hope the wind's right because yeah, I mean, you're gonna stink. nothing you can do about yeah, that. But uh, I, I absolutely would take part in it. 100%. I've never seen a deer with a weapon in my hand that was legal to hunt with in velvet. Yeah. No, I, I haven't either. And I think if if it's to where I can go, I would do that as well. I think I'd gladly participate in the opportunity to open up a week early. I think I personally think they're off by a week to two weeks. I think they move, need to move it even further up. Well, I think if the year it falls where it's like eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth. Yeah. I've seen deer with no velvet in eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth of September. Yeah, I've seen. I mean, I've I've seen plenty of deer that first week of October that didn't, didn't have velvet. Yeah, none. I shot yeah. at one one time in velvet opening day of bow season whenever I was probably 13. Yeah. Um, of course, I did not recover that deer. He was fine. The shot was too steep, and I tried to shoot him in the chest like an idiot, and it just went in and out, didn't hit anything. But I, don't know, I was thinking maybe they would say the weekend between, you know, like the 8th and the 15th or something like that. Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers. If they're going to let us hunt in September, I'm all for it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm all for that too, and and well, just like you're saying, that rare opportunity to kill a deer in full velvet in Mississippi. I mean, people do it every year. People kill deer mm-hmm. in velvet, but I've never, I've never done it. You know who I think would be promoting this bill, and they may be taxidermist. Okay, so now you just opened up a whole new Uh-oh. question for me. <laughs> How does that work? How with, do they taxidermy a velvet deer? Yes. I have zero idea. But who in here, if they shot a hundred, even fifteen-inch deer that was in full velvet in bow season, wouldn't consider at least in some way getting that mounted? 
It'd be really cool. It'd be hard not to. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No that's doubt. Why, if I was a taxidermist, I'd be like, yeah, y'all need to pass this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are bringing four points in. And I, know, yeah. I know you're not passing the, you know, pa- uh, passing a buck to kill a doe or something. I know you're only going to go after a buck. Correct. Most of you are going to want it mounted if you're successful. Yeah, I'm not going to shoot a doe in September for sure, but yeah. I'd whack a full velvet buck. Yeah. I'd, I'd whack a 115-inch full velvet buck. I was about to say, no standards are going to change yeah. on the Velvet's hole <laughs> yeah, during that so. season. <laughs> I have to go back to what Tim Carley said about managing your expectations, or curbing yep. your expectations. Yeah. I would have none. Cannot wait to shoot this 85-inch <laughs> deer Velvet. <laughs> He's going to look so much bigger, so much mass. That made me think of something else, too, that Preston had talked about. And, Hunter, I want your opinion on this. We had talked about how many birds we actually have in Mississippi now. And, you know, we have the check-in system for turkeys. Right. Because we had said, all right, we don't have the check-in for deer, but we still get a number every year of how many deer were actually harvested. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's obviously an educated guess based on some sort of formula. Now, for turkeys, the limit right now is three. Mm-hmm. There's been some talk about potentially moving that to two. Which would not make me as a turkey hunter angry. Okay, exactly. But here's the thing. I got to thinking about this, and I actually talked to another guy the other day that's a big turkey hunter, and he he brought this up. Okay, you move the limit from three to two. How many turkey hunters in the state of Mississippi actually harvest three birds anyway? Only the dudes who do it every weekend and are traveling to do it. That would be the only, and that's a small amount of people, I would imagine. I mean, I don't, I think I probably know a handful of people that kill their limiting birds a year. Like, literally, yeah. four or five guys all year. I mean, it's, so, it's a tough thing to do because most people are just turkey hunting on Saturday morning. Yeah. And that's it. And,. They probably don't have five mature gobblers on their place. Right. Right. You know. I don't know. I know I know one or two that they're gonna get their three every year. I yeah. know two guys local to here. They're gonna get three a year. But it's their season. Is deer hunting their number one thing? Nope. Deer yeah. hunting is yeah. an auxiliary chance to get in the woods. They're looking at turkey hunting as their main thing. But they're gonna get their three. Another thing is this March 15th to May the 1st will be the most un uh, uncaught whatever trespassing crimes throughout the entire year. This is the time of the year where everybody is going to climb that barbed wire fence <laughs> to go after I mean, your birds. There's not deer hunters in the woods. It's it's harder. It's baseball season. There's soccer games going on on Saturday mornings. And if Hunter, I'm not saying Hunter would do this, but Hunter's on a bird and he hammers away and he's like, man, I think he's just over that fence line. I'm not saying Hunter's doing it. Hunter would do it. Hunter would do it. But I'm just saying, it, it's you're you're right. There's probably a lot. I mean, of I'm telling you. Uh, just, I know a lot of turkey hunters, and <laughs> what? Are, folks, your birds are being hunted. I know you may not think they are, but they are. <laughs> well, I know for us at the camp, uh, 
we never have a problem i don't think during deer season like we that's that hasn't been an issue for us worrying about other people crossing over but i know of a few times it's been questioned during turkey season well hme um you know i'm talking about the uh they make a lot of archery products Mm -hmm. i do um they have a thing called the um tipo step now and it's at academy they're probably sold out just like all the slate calls are probably clips sold onto out. a t-post and you can step it over just clips onto this t-post Ooh, and you can that. step over right I'm like, ah. yeah. kind of sketchy could... to even sell that <laughs> <laughs> promoting i it. might get one for my own personal is property li- is it lighter than your wire cutters though <laughs> Oh, that's savage. That's mean. <laughs> You're going to shoot their bird and cuss her. Another thing we talked about was uh, we don't know how many turkey hunters are actually in the woods in Mississippi because you can go buy a sportsman's license, and that covers it. Yeah. So He mentioned a uh, possibly like a state stamp. It's just an idea, it, whether it's a dollar or five dollars. But then yeah. you know who how many turkey hunters you have because – I mean, why would you spend five more dollars if you've never turkey hunted before? Right. right. And it's a separate license. Then. It makes so sense. It'd be like duck stamps, but turkey stamp. And, and even if it barely charge anything at all, at least you have an idea of how many hunters are actually in the woods. Because one thing he talks about, and he talked about that the NWTF is doing turkeys for tomorrow, is just collecting data to have a better idea of how many birds we have and better managing uh, you know, the, the flock. So, and that's he also talked about opening trapping season on private land for year-round trapping which i i wholeheartedly agree with doing on private private land and he stressed that too is having the ability to trap those uh animals that destroy the turkey population your coyotes your foxes your possums your raccoons those things right there that's what I've been doing now that our place on Trussell is smashing coons. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, uh, let me say this, I've been trapping them during trapping season. Do your traps have uh, your serial numbers on them? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got serial numbers on them and all that good stuff that <laughs> is legal and good. And uh, I have been executing during trapping season the raccoon population on our place <laughs> because i mean it's, it's it's just simple you know like yeah. you, you kill all the raccoons and bobcats and stuff and then you have more turkeys right right wow well let's and take a wait, what? no i'm just gonna i was just saying and they're surely gonna want to live where they're not being <laughs> predated all the time <laughs> right well, let's take a break, and um, when we come back from the break, I want to talk some fishing because we're getting to that time of the year too. Yes. And for me, typically it's you get a turkey hunt. You may not get a turkey hunt, but but you can go fish. By gosh, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Ain't no doubt. So, so we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. And oh, Lord, it makes me smile. Wow, Bill. Your sauce makes my baby hot. You nail that sun, this sauce really hits the spot. So grab your chicken, shrimp, boiled eggs, pizza, or a big poke chop. I'm gonna need that bag. Why, Bill? 
Your sauce makes my baby hot. Put your bills on it. Go check out Wild Bill Sauce on Instagram or on the web at wildbillsauce.com. If you'll enter the promo code CAMO, you'll get 25% off your purchase. Once again, that's wildbillsauce.com, promo code CAMO. I'm Travis T-Bone Turner, co-host of Bone Collector and a proud member of Whitetails Unlimited. Do you have buck fever? You can ease the pain by holding or attending a Whitetails banquet in your neck of the woods. These action-packed events offer great food and prizes, guns galore, and so much more. 50 cents out of every net dollar raised is spent on projects in your hometown. Go to our website to find events and a field director for your area. Get started today and find a cure for that old buck fever. Now we're back for the second half of the show. And as promised, we want to talk about fishing. Yeah. Um, it's getting about that time. Hunter, you it's, took a trip yeah. this past weekend. The warm weather forced that to happen. So where'd you go? Um, so we went and uh, kind of just wanted to run the boat and mess around. Um, and we actually put in at CC's boat ramp down in uh, Pascagoula. <clears throat> Shout out to CC's who did not have live bait that day, as promised. Um but uh yeah we just went and got some frozen shrimp and squid and went and played around in the um like how far out did you go oh well, we ended up going 20 miles out um to the triple rig but we originally just kind of went around the islands and tried to catch some specks and just messed around and ended up catching a bunch of whiting which is something that i'd never caught before but apparently they run this time of year um, we weren't sure what they were at the time. So, and anytime you catch something offshore and you're not sure what it is, you know, it could be a legal, delicious fish, or it could be highly endangered and you're going to go to prison if you show up at the boat ramp with it. Right. Um, so we threw them back. I don't think that they didn't look like they were big enough to eat anyways, but come to find out that that was what that was. We catch a whiting. Um, and I mean, they were just like in droves. What are you, you were catching on shrimp? Uh, yeah, just on bottom. Um, they're uh, like a bottom feeding type. It looks like okay. kind of like a drum, but I mean, you could tell on the depth finder that there was just like a layer of them on the bottom. Yeah. Um, How deep? Eighteen foot. Okay. Just right off the beach. Yeah. Um, and then we went out to the triple rig with what little live bait we did have, some pinfish, and we uh, caught a big redfish, which we released immediately. Because it's highly illegal to possess redfish in international waters. Um, I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> but uh, we so uh, remember a story was about it like a slot red or a bull red. Was uh, it a big one? Thirty and a half inches. It was a bull, yeah, over yeah. twenty six. Yeah, yeah. it's a good fish, and uh, caught a, as many red snappers you wanted to catch. Red snapper. Any, uh, you're going to catch red snapper every single time you go, no matter what, because that is the dominant species yeah that's out there if they're a structure they're a red snapper and they will bite and you will catch them all i've not caught a legal trigger fish i did not catch one last year and i probably only caught four trigger fish last year and it's just because i i can't not catch snapper it's almost annoying i wish like they would it's like every time you put it your bait down you it, catch snapper. yeah you can't even you can't catch see, i went else. on a snapper trip last year and caught trigger fish couldn't keep them though they're out of season <laughs> 
And uh, it's a good time to go though. You went out what cheap gas prices to fill the boat up? Yeah, well, fairly cheap. I don't even cheap. want to know what gas prices. Are yeah, it was stupid. Because um, you know it's like a dollar more a gallon down there. Oh no, we we always get fuel before we get there. But but what's non-ethanol right now? Oh, I have no idea. I don't run on ethanol in it. That thing's a car engine. <laughs> it's a car engine. I turn it. I, I leave it running. I never turn it off most of the time while I'm out. But so you pay three eighty nine for gas then? Yeah. Yeah. Which is about two dollars more. No, the boat is pretty efficient. Normally, at a decent twenty something mile an hour cruising speed, it's like four miles to the gallon, which is efficient for a. No, that's, a, that's really good. My um, boat eats it. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can go through ten gallons of gas in a heartbeat in mine. Yeah, um, but you know, we had a good time just messing around, making sure everything worked on the boat before it gets hot and heavy. It was three to fives, which uh, I was fixing to ask you that next. was going to keep us from going offshore. But as we got closer to the islands, you know, I was like, man, it just doesn't seem that bad. And then we got out on the other side of the islands on big water side and they were just big fat waves just big that rollers. you could ride up and ride yeah, down yeah. so not, they weren't stacked in tight yeah so, so it wasn't too bad yeah so it wasn't bad at all especially coming back in when you're riding with them i mean yeah. it was nice um but yeah had a good time um saw some other guys out there and they were catching snapper too all right you so know. you mentioned trigger fish yeah i've i've never eaten that before it's good. I mean, everything's good. So like what, croakers what, are good. That's. <laughs> I mean, everything's good. What does so? What would a triggerfish like? What would that even be like? What is it, compare it to something that I've had probably? Oh, bring them. Really? Yeah. I mean. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess. I guess. So I'm not eating triggerfish. I don't, <laughs> I don't care anything about eating brim. <laughs> but um, if you had a 12 pound brim, you might. That's true. <laughs> I could fillet it. It might be different. That's a uh, between the reds. There's and and one of the cool things about going offshore and why it's so much fun is, and I'm sure it's like this everywhere, but in Mississippi, it's like something new is going on every time you go. You're always going to be able to catch snapper. You might not be able to keep them, but you're always going to be able to catch them. So you can always go have a good time. Right. But. You never know if they're going to be kingfish at the triple rig when you get there, or you're going to run through a school of bonita on the way out, or a school of max, or whatever the case may be. There's always something happening. Like, I never caught a whiting, didn't even know what it was, but they were just everywhere. Yeah. It's just, so it's like, it's it's constant, and it's just all... It's ever-changing. It's trial and error, too. Like, you don't... Every time we go, we have a fish in our hands, and we're like... What is this? <laughs> Can we keep it and is it edible? And I don't have service to check. And then we come home. That's like the first time we ever went uh, to the Air Force. I call it the Air Force Tower. I don't know if it has anything to do with the Air Force. It's a radio tower 30 miles out. And we caught 50 spade fish. I mean, there was just they were just everywhere. You couldn't get your bait to the bottom before the spade fish were, you know, smashing how big, it. How big are they? Um, probably anywhere from 12 to 16 inches, I guess. I might be butchering that, but they're they're like a circle. They're like yeah. a frisbee. Okay. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. Looks like an angelfish. Right. They're black with white stripes, I guess. Um, 
And then we got back, and they're like, man, the spade fish are delicious. And you can keep 50 or whatever. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So now every time we go, we see spades, we'll drop a little, you know, small hook down and catch a few spades just to have. Right. Um, And you're always going to be able to find them, you know, later in the summer. Right. But uh, are they, and, and and you can keep those pretty much year round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the only fish that are like in in the broader I, and I can't speak on pelagics because I don't go far enough out to catch swordfish and tuna and stuff. But right. your triggerfish, grouper, and snapper are really just off the top of my head the only fish that are that's your season regulated uh-huh. seasonally like that so group and I'm, I'm sure there's something else that i'm missing but like redfish specs cobia stuff like that you can keep and it, groupers actually in season past the 20 fathom line i don't know past the what yeah he, he past the past the 20 fathom line is what it says what is what is that is that 120 foot of water? I was about to say, that's a depth deal, right? I don't know. I have no idea. No, I don't. That's the thing that I hate. Because <laughs> if I would have caught a grouper, like last year, when we caught that big gag at the triple rig, if I'd have done that this year, I probably would have chanced it. <laughs> <laughs> and then expressed that I don't know what the heck a 20 fathom line is. Matt will have us an answer. Yeah, Matt, he's on it right now. I'm about to look it up. So... Speaking of the legalities of things, I just saw um, where Florida uh, opened up a season on Goliath grouper now. Yeah, that you can keep. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, but it, it, there's like a there's like a length or size yeah. limit to it. I mean, I know when and I think you we went down there with Daniel some mm-hmm. to uh, alligator point fishing. Yeah, and there was a, a Goliath grouper that kind of stayed in the same area out there mm-hmm. people caught or hooked up to all the time it's like the size of a volkswagen yeah not you can't keep one that big obviously but right so uh I'll, I'll look it up i'll come back to that we'll it's illegal it to even pull a goliath out of the water up to a certain right. certain size not that it would be easy to do but it's legal to even hold them in the boat and take a picture with them unless they're a certain size but it says uh okay here it is the new Goliath grouper harvest season will run March 1st to May 31st. We'll limit one fish per person. Uh, I'm trying to find the size limit on it. That's only in Florida waters, though. In federal waters, it's still banned. They were uh, pretty much fished out of fish to extinction right upon you know people figuring out like hey how deep is one fathom six foot that's correct it's about a 120 foot line that's marked by coordinates by the gulf council as to where i I don't know what the rules state but there's it's an actual coordinated line like gps coordinates and i don't know if you got to be inside or outside from what you were talking about i'm just reading off my phone but i'm telling you we would do anything we can not to use the metric system (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes we will <laughs> okay oh the Goliath season uh, also does not open until 2023 so next year that'll open and the mm, I don't know if it has a size uh, a size restriction this article does not say yeah we're uh, we're gonna have to make a uh, 
make it a point to make a trip whenever the Bonita run. Oh, here it is. Never mind. It has to be between 20 and 36 inches. Okay. So that's like a Goliath that's minnow. A, that's a juvenile. <laughs> but apparently they, I mean, they, apparently they've made a good enough comeback that the, the Florida Department of Wildlife and Fisheries yep. says, hey, you can go ahead. So That's awesome. That'll be cool. Um, so when you go out, are you are you mainly are you trolling with like a trolling motor? Are you running your outboard the whole time and moving? No. Like, so how were you fishing the other day? Are you just? I don't know when trolling? this technology came out, but I feel so bad for people who use anchors. Um, at this day and age, because my trolling motor has an anchor feature. Right. It'll just hold you. It'll in place. hold your GPS position. And it does really, really well because the boat's not too big. But, I mean, I've seen 27s with them on there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if it's rough, it's probably not going to hold a 27 for very good. But, dude, you pull up to your spot. Like, I'll position myself where I want to be, figure out which way the current's going to want to swing the boat so that I'm not hitting stuff, and drop that trolling motor down and twirl the fish. Yeah. And then I'll just use the trolling motor to move to the other side of the rig or whatever i want to do so we we did that in the mississippi river last year fishing yeah. for catfish we put that trolling motor setting on that and just hold us in this particular spot that was the first time i'd ever done yeah. it i was like man this is this right here to save your back yeah and i don't like troll offshore like with lures right but what is fun and especially when i'm at orange beach and i just going for the weekend like we're going to the condo or whatever, and I don't want to buy a reef tag, a reef license, which is... I mean, if I was going to rent out Pensacola, then, yeah, that's different because it gets deeper quicker. But um, we'll just buy the regular fishing license and stay inshore. And I say inshore, just off the beach. Mm-hmm. Throw some literally just crankbaits out. Troll yeah. up and down and just smoke bonita and mackerel for as long as you want to lizard fish would you feel like in your boat would you feel comfortable doing like a spec trip or yeah. would you just yeah or is that it not too big to the do the boat that? will draft in 16 14 inches of water oh wow yeah. okay so yeah you could definitely do specs yeah um yeah for sure just do a spec trip or whatever but uh I don't it's it's hard for me whenever I go down there I would love to go just take a popping cork and catch 30 specks. Yeah. But it's hard to do that whenever I know I can go offshore. Yeah. And I know that I can have 60-pound line stripped and I can't stop what's on the other end. Yeah. To so go and catch, better for you. To go and catch 15-inch speckled trout. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, I mostly do speckled trout and redfish when I go. Mississippi water is not underrated or overrated it's it's good water the regulations on speckled trout though is going to push everybody in louisiana in my opinion yeah it's 15 inch versus 12 inch right and the 15 inch is a great trout Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it's so we always try to you know kind of lean to that louisiana side on that yeah well we i think we talked about that the other day it was kind of like fishing saltwater fishing louisiana kind of like louisiana deer hunters are we're coming to mississippi yeah I mean, I've rode all through that marsh in my boat because uh, we stayed at a houseboat up there uh, last summer. A buddy of mine had one, and we 
stayed there and there were a couple spots that i didn't know if i was going to run aground um because i'd never been yeah because my fish finder saying two foot like it it's telling you it's the map is saying it's a two foot spot right and i'm like you know i'm gonna hit this doing 50 and see what happens <laughs> rip your transom <laughs> off <laughs> well, just hope it's soft mud oh man so the last time i went offshore fishing i went with chris mm-hmm. and and we did okay i mean we I think we we caught some mahi we caught a bunch of snapper we may you just went no 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 no, no. uh it's, it's been a couple of years ago when i went with him like a real offshore trip yeah and uh we went out tuna fishing and stuff so mm-hmm. i got a, I got a really i don't know if matt knows this story or not i've got a really good chris culture story and i hope he listens to this uh so we went tuna fishing we went out of venice one time and we got up that morning got everything loaded up Probably took off hour or two hour boat ride something like that uh well i mean yeah i mean you think about it, you ride to the you get to the south pass that's 40 minutes right mm-hmm. there and we were going like i think it's 45 50 miles offshore to thunder horse rig so we're heading out and it's rough and we hit a wave they were stacked in pretty tight so we hit a wave and come down the, the bow of the boat goes down wave comes over the boat and we just punch through it right so that was the first one that did it and we're just soaking wet i was like and it's late may and this is a for people who don't know this is like a 26 foot yeah i think okay. so or maybe 28 it was a pretty big boat yeah i mean it's a big boat yeah yeah i mean we submarine this 28 foot boat running out you know you probably pass like a 16 foot aluminum john boat too there's always one out there there's always one <laughs> I don't guy remember, i don't remember seeing there's one always out there one guy that you're like whoa what are you doing what are you doing how did you get here he'll be he'll have his boat tied up to the rig and you're like whatever dude <laughs> yeah all right so anyway so we keep going we punch through that one and i'm like that that sucked that was really like i'm soaking wet it's cold we keep going and we're running hard trying to get to the rig and we do it again we punch through another wave only this time it blows out the windshield of the boat and i'm sitting on the bench seat Mm -hmm. behind the windshield next to chris is driving the boat we got two other guys with us they're sitting on beanbags on the back blows out the windshield boats full of water all of a sudden and like when we it hit us hard enough that like Chris was like holy cow the windshield's gone and one of the other guys looks up and he goes Ben's bleeding and, I, and those of you that are listening can't see this scar but I'm showing it to him now you see there yeah, yeah. piece of that glass oh yeah cut me pretty deep right under my chin um, and you're 40 miles out yeah mm. and it cut my hand mm-hmm. right there and sliced my ear almost in half over here. God. So I'm bleeding all over. There's blood all over the boat. I had a green shirt on. But not it, from tuna. No, it wasn't. As I said, we went fishing. There's blood. It looks Usually like blood on the boat's good It thing. looks like we've been fishing, yeah. but we haven't been fishing yet. So I'm bleeding everywhere, and, and one of the other guys was like, man, we got to stop the boat and tend to Ben's cuts. And Chris was like, I can't stop the boat. We got to get the water out first. Mm-hmm. So we keep having to go a little bit to get the water out of the boat. And we finally kind of get stopped. And I'm looking around. I'm like, man, I can't see. And uh, it had knocked my contact. Like, well, I had sunglasses on. It knocked them off there in the Gulf. And it had knocked both of my contacts out. Well, I guess the 
You probably should have been under like concussion protocol or something. Probably should have. Um, anyway, so we turned the boat around. We went back to Venice. We never went fishing. Uh, and I had to go get stitches. I think I ended up with like 20 stitches. So that was my Chris <clears throat> yep. Coulter tuna fishing. Now, I did go back after that, and we, you know, we caught a bunch of fish, and that was fun. But I was a little bit apprehensive about getting back in the boat with Chris after that. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, we're gonna try and go like uh, push the limits a little further this year. Like do you some try, sixty miles. Like go further out. Yeah, there's uh, another rig and nail ship and stuff that we're gonna go fish. Try and catch some average. Now you're talking somewhere. about going out of Mississippi, right? Mm. So sixty miles. Let's just say, let's say forty miles. Mm-hmm. If you go forty miles out of, I don't know, Gulfport. Okay. How deep a water are we talking? How many fathoms? <laughs> yeah, how many uh, fathoms? Just, just tell me in feet. Uh, probably, probably a hundred. Okay, maybe, maybe a touch so, more. And that's the big difference of going out of Mississippi and going out of Louisiana. And I could be butchering that, but I know I, I was kind of thinking along those same lines, like a couple hundred feet. You go out of Venice, Louisiana, and you go forty miles out, you're not in two hundred feet of water anymore. Right. You're in two thousand feet of water. Correct. And like that trip when i went with him when i got cut up was the first time that i'd ever like been in two three thousand foot deep water and you feel very very small 100 like, percent. like when you start looking at the maps and then the depth finder starts flashing because it's not picking up the bottom and you're like well how deep is it here and chris is like oh it's about 2500 feet i said you said 2500 right he said yeah and all of a sudden, I just I clammed up. I was like, "This doesn't feel right." Yeah. But it's the bluest water you've ever seen in your life. It's absolutely beautiful until you lose your contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. It's, and that's that's the knock against Mississippi in that regard. Um, that's why you. Don't which I mean, to- Louisiana gets to cheat because they're already like already out there. Like the state just jutted out into right. the Gulf, but. Um, yeah, that's the knock. But you, yeah, you 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 don't get off the shelf. Yeah, like yeah, over there, it's, it's it's easier to get off the continental shelf. And really, it's like that in Pensacola too, and not to that extent. But you can go twenty, thirty miles out in Pensacola and be in getting big water. I'm talking two, three hundred foot. Right. You're talking because um, there's a that you're getting close to that, blue water. There's that cut in there. Yeah. That you can see that runs up. And, I've I've never gone out of Pensacola, so I wouldn't yeah. know, but. It's, 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 it was really interesting because I'd always gone out to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go like snapper fishing, grouper fishing, something like that. But I'd never been tuna fishing or anything yeah. like that. And then you go to Venice, and it's not that far of a drive, you know, a boat ride out to get into blue water. Yeah. I mean, there are dudes that do it. There are dudes that uh, leave out and go tuna fishing out of Mississippi. I mean, they got rigs, though. They got, yeah, they got You can go catch boats. a tuna in my boat in Louisiana. Yeah. Right. You, know, you can make a. 40 mile trip easy now what was fun is you go out tuna fishing or whatever in the morning and then on the way back in you stop at those like eight i think they're called like the eight mile rigs or something mm-hmm. you stop at those rigs and you know 300 feet deep 203 feet you know two or 300 feet snapper. deep and just and big snapper like yeah. really big snapper and so we'd come back and you know however many people we had in the boat you could keep uh two per person so we'd load up on snapper, and, we, and then when we were out, we found a grass line, and we caught mahi uh, off the grass line. So 
that's the cool thing about saltwater fishing man it's like you said you never know you never know what you're going to get into i saw uh, a couple of years ago where some guys went out fishing they got on a grass line started catching mahi next thing you know there was like a box out there or something they pulled it in and it was like two million dollars worth of cocaine in it so yeah that's like the last year though. you're not gonna find that in Bogahome. you're not gonna find two million dollars <laughs> worth of cocaine in Bogahome. but before we go last year um we went to that houseboat and there was spoiled milk in the fridge and i did not condone littering and polluting our waters but somebody grabbed that milk jug and threw it in the river okay oh uh, just happened and it was completely full like the thing was still on it but it was like three months old just never been opened yeah the next morning it was two percent and it was a half gallon the next i mean whole milk had a red top the next morning this was the night before the next morning we are headed to some reefs or some structure or whatever we are 30 miles in the Gulf of Mexico, and there is a half-gallon jug <laughs> of milk with the top, the lid still on it, floating. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that is the milk that you threw out last night. <laughs> There's no doubt. Man, well, that's good. Well, before we go, uh, I did want to mention mention on here that uh, the Pinstripes to Camo has entered a partnership with Whitetails Unlimited and uh, To Be Outdoors. So, um, not really sure where it takes us, but uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to partner up with these two organizations, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting some really good guests on here in, in the next few weeks while we're doing the show. Um, we'll, I know we're going to get into some more turkey hunting stuff as we get along through yeah. the spring and, and some more fishing stuff. Um, it's about time to start running trot lines in the river, too, and uh, hand-grabbing season starts in May, so... We're going to have some really good content coming up. And yeah. uh, once again, just thanks to Whitetails Unlimited and 2B Outdoors for the opportunity to partner up and do this show. And uh, don't forget this summer, um, you know, if you want to go fishing with the, the, the podcast group, it is a $10,000 fee. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to, yeah. to come That's hang right. out with us for a weekend. And uh, we can run lines in the Pascal River and run offshore and catch snapper. <laughs> so 10, 10 grand for we're you. We'll catch redfish. Or red, yeah, we'll go catch redfish. International, redfish. international, international water. International water. Redfish. Yeah, so for 10 grand, you can live on the edge, too. <laughs> and we'll eat Little Caesars pizza while we're doing it. There you go. So, well, guys, I think that'll wrap us up tonight. You guys got anything else? No. So, All right, till next time, we'll see you. Appreciate you tuning in. While you're scrolling through Facebook, check out Mr. Nice Guy Food Truck and Catering. Also, a special thank you to Jason Justice of Orange Beach, Alabama, who provides all of the music for the Pinstripes to Camo podcast.